Views, interpretations, and opinions expressed are not advice nor official positions presented on behalf of any organization or institution. They are for informational and entertainment purposes only. In this episode, Peter presents his belief system and discusses his Buddhist practice and understanding in comparison to Ryan's beliefs. Now, join Ryan and Peter for the Tracking Wisdom podcast. So, I have to say, in terms of my personal beliefs, you know, uh, I agree with you. I don't think salvation's an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think heaven and hell, salvation, uh, any of those things are, are issues. I think they're more dodges, uh, ways for organized religions to kick the can down the road and say, well, you know, we're not going to give it to you right now because <laughs> um, you have to stay tuned. And so in context of previous discussions, I can kind of see that as being a manipulation of the self-interested church, the self-interested. And I guess I would want to say organization, mm-hmm. right? Because church is People. emotionally charged, right. right? But I think if we say this is the way this organization operates, mm-hmm. It's much clearer what we're talking sure. about and hopefully kind of takes away the animosity of attacking a church, mm. you know, attacking a faith. Yes. Right? Okay, we're not we're not questioning any faiths. Yeah. We're saying there are organizations yes. that are built around faiths or that have co-opted faiths. And that's what we're talking that's what we're here to discuss in large part, because those are the things we believe that nuns are alienated by. Mm-hmm. These organizations which are not self-consistent, yeah. but are self-interested and are self-preserving. Yes. Okay, so the idea of salvation as being one of the accretions mm-hmm. that we've talked about that obscures the truth that's the basis of we're postulating all religions are based on an essential truth, mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. All religions are based on reality, mm-hmm. are intended to be able to guide us to reality, absolute reality. Mm-hmm. But they've all been compromised by accretion of teachings on top of uh, the original prophet or whatever teacher mm-hmm. they're built around to the extent where they obscure or even undermine and contradict the original teaching, um, that the original solution was because that's what all faiths are. All faiths are solutions mm-hmm. to problems of being human. Like being human is a problem. So, I, I mean, I think we're getting at kind of what we want to talk about. So I, I'm struck by kind of the tone of what you described. It makes sense to me. The language has a new age flavor to it, sure. which I agree makes that. it less, to me, less a little bit less accessible. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's really because my background isn't Christianity and Buddhism, which are much more traditional. I don't necessarily have a New Age background, but I know that some of the things that I said are similar to New Age thinking. Yeah, yeah. So so what's interesting to me is that I wouldn't have articulated a belief structure like that because I kind of haven't thought about it ground up. Um, basically from a creation perspective, mm-hmm. right? So you mm-hmm. presented a creation perspective, which I thought was really interesting. I think it makes sense to me what you said. I really need to di- <laughs> digest. Um, so obviously, you know, there's some key 
things that I agree with, like the the idea of salvation or heaven and hell. I think I can't do as good a job of outlining my beliefs from A to, a to B to C because I don't have a starting... Well, I don't have the same kind of starting point. I do have a starting point. I just don't have a creation starting point. That was important to me. That was my seek. Uh-huh. Like, why are we here uh-huh. and where did creation come from? Because uh-huh. science has failed on both those fronts, in my opinion, up to now. Um, and when I came across that kind of idea... It was the first time that something was posited to me as a possibility that made sense. Like, I could see how that could be real. So let me walk through um, my framework a little bit. And I guess in terms of, well, we'll start with creation and existence, Mm -hmm. because what I've read of Buddhist teaching is... Okay, one of the central tenets of Buddhist philosophy or Buddhism is cause and effect, causality. Mm-hmm. Uh, all things are effects of causes. There's always a cause before. And they postulate no primary cause, which is kind of the same thing in a way. It's like everything has a cause. Well, what caused that? Well, there was a cause for that. And there's a cause, you know, well, but what was the first cause? And they're kind of like, well... There doesn't have to be an original cause. It was always just causes have always existed. Hmm. And so there's a certain similarity, I think, in I like it's almost just a semantic difference to say existence always existed as opposed to the cause of an existing thing always like there's always another cause, um, which is really just to say something always exists. There's no such thing as non non existence. Um, Well, and that is all based on time. Like a, a right in under or an experience of time. So, okay, yes. So, th- as far that's as much as I know about creation in a Buddhist sense. To me, though, the original question was not even why am I suffering. Like it wasn't like why why am I suffering? Tell me why. It was just how do I stop suffering? Mm. That's really mm-hmm. that's really for me the original question, how do I stop suffering? And one of the great quotes attributed to Buddha is, I only teach suffering and the end of suffering. Mm. So people would ask him different things, and he would disclaim, and he would say, well, I know about that stuff, but I only teach suffering and the end of suffering. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to discuss philosophical, I'm not going to discuss metaphysics with you. Mm. And so in, in the Buddhist tradition, I won't give you the whole origin of him personally but he was shielded i'll give you a little bit of background he was he was a prince he was shielded from suffering Mm -hmm. and so he didn't become aware of suffering Mm -hmm. until relatively late in his life as a youth when he inadvertently was able to observe people suffering because because there's prophecies about what was going to happen so his father sequestered him Mm -hmm. and said he'll never i i want him to be a great ruler of the earth and not a great prophet, not a religious leader. Um, So those are the two opposing things. And so for that reason, he was sequestered. And for that reason, he was quite mature already before he became aware of old age and death, Mm -hmm. which is kind of hard to believe. But anyway, that's, that's the tradition, right? And he became... He was so appalled, he said, I have to understand this, and I won't rest 
until I can understand why things are so bad. And so he went on a pilgrimage, essentially, and uh, tried the available practices of the time. So he was very spiritually well-educated, basically, because he went out and he did everything. And so he grew up in excess. He grew up in pleasure and sensuality. Mm-hmm. And he ended in severe aestheticism, aestheticism, where he, what do they call it, mortified the body or denied himself to the extent, mm-hmm. to to the approach of death. He, mm-hmm. he very nearly died and was actually rescued by a young woman who came upon his emaciated body and force-fed him, mm-hmm. said, you know, there's a variety of things, basically some kind of um, rice pudding, sweetened rice that was able to, he was able to get into his mouth and swallow and restore his strength. And then he, he basically <laughs> had second thoughts about that pathway. And so that's why he realized the middle way. So the middle way is between the extremes of pleasure and self-mortification. And he became enlightened simply, and air quotes, simply by sitting meditation under a Bodhi tree, under a a rubber tree, subsequently called the Bodhi tree, because Bodhi means enlightenment. And air quotes, simply by sitting, understanding that although he, in that sitting session, he, and I don't remember the time frame, but it's fairly short, like it, I don't think it was more than a couple of days, if that. He said, I'm going to sit until I become, I'm not going to get up until I'm enlightened. Mm-hmm. And then he was relatively quickly enlightened, understanding that he had gone through this entire right. lifetime before that of exploration. And in the tradition, many millions of lifetimes before that. Mm-hmm. So all the conditions were correct. So the cause and effect was established already. The cause wasn't, I'm going to sit in the tree now or under the tree now. So then he became enlightened. He experienced bliss and nirvana and said, oh, though this is it. I'm done. I don't have to go any further. And he wasn't going to get up. Mm. And again, in the the tradition, in the stories, I believe a deity came to him and said, well, you really have to teach. Mm -hmm. Like, you really, you really just going to keep this to yourself because the story is that when he was enlightened there was a thunderclap that reverberated through all the dimensions and all beings in every realm rejoiced because there was a new buddha so it was a big deal so even even the gods were saying hey wow <laughs> like we're not enlightened but this guy on this you know on the on this plane is enlightened so he was encouraged to not just embrace his nirvana right. and instead to teach and so then his his first oh well you know i just realized i'm telling i'm like telling this traditional story rather than telling my beliefs mm-hmm. but i'll get just one piece one more piece to it his first sermon was to his companions who were the aesthetics who mm-hmm. taught him to deny himself and he exceeded them all like he brought himself the closest to death they they did not get as close to death as he was they were just kind of in this constant state of denial but he uh, are of self-denial and so he, he he when he became enlightened he said i have to go and tell my friends so those are the first disciples and his first sor- sermon was the four noble truths he said this, this is what i know i'm enli- i mm-hmm. became enlightened this is what i know there is suffering to to live is to suffer it's inherent to sentient beings to suffer. You have to understand this, number one. Number two, the truth of the cause 
of suffering. And the cause of suffering is attachment to desires of various types. And um, this is often misunderstood as wanting is the cause of suffering. No, wanting is not the cause of suffering. It's the attachment to the wanting saying, I cannot be happy unless I have the thing I want. That's the cause of suffering. But just wanting something, I want all beings to be enlightened, is not inherently suffering. Right. It's, I'm going to be miserable until all beings are enlightened. That's that's suffering because you're yeah. Okay. So suffering cause of suffering. Cessation of suffering. Very simple. But it's that all beings do inherently suffer, but cessation of suffering is possible. So that's the third noble truth, cessation. And then the fourth noble truth is the eightfold path that he he laid out, which is speech. It's right speech, right action, but you can just list eight things. Speech, action, livelihood. Oops, sorry. Understanding. Number one, understanding. Two, thought, speech, action, livelihood, diligence, concentration, and mindfulness. And so basically, it's the attachment that causes suffering. And there are kind of eight things that you can work on to undo your attachment. So this brings us kind of back to where to the beginning, because right understanding the first item is ta- is really talking about what's how should we really perceive reality, and that's I've alluded to ultimate reality and conventional reality. That's my framework, mm-hmm. and that's something I do believe that we exist in this third dimension, mm-hmm. which is our convention of reality and exists, but is not our essential existence. Right and not the absolute reality. It's a relative reality caused by all the conditions that we've experienced for all time as human beings or biological beings. So is the is the existence always biological? I think <laughs> that's an interesting question. And I would, so I haven't thought about that and I haven't read about it, but I can make a, a logical extension, which is, as I alluded to earlier, in Buddhist tradition, there are multiple realms of being. So I would say, you know, analogous to other dimensions sure. of, of existence with, you know, one of the higher ones being uh, the realm of deities. Okay. But in, in that tradition, even the deities are subject to suffering. Hmm. They're just not sub- subject to our conventional suffering. They're not subject to physical suffering. But they're not free of suffering because if they were they'd be fully realized Buddhas. And again, in the tradition, when the Buddha became enlightened, the deities were not enlightened. So, which suggests to me that the answer to your question is no, it's not always biological, right? right? But in terms of the way we conventionally experience things, that's what I meant. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's the idea of reincarnation and there's the idea of sentient beings as being, you know, not just people. So that's why I said biological. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess, though, that, you know, you could reincarnate as a kind of angelic entity, like a, a deva or mm-hmm. something like that. And again, I'm not really well-versed in traditional yeah. uh, Eastern what entities and, and levels of existence. Um, but anyway, they're multiple. They they describe multiple levels of existence. So I do believe in the ultimate reality, as you described, as a unified energy, like a a single field of existence that is uniform and that we are all connected to. 
in our current existence. We are inherently connected to this and can never be severed from it. Right. Right. Although we are separated Mm -hmm. from it by this act of incarnation. You know, in in your framework, by the act of initial creation that separated us into Mm. this level of existence. Um, So I, that I'm completely aligned with that. And that it's this existence, the conditions of this existence, which cause us to be ignorant of the ultimate reality, which sets up a whole framework for our own suffering. So it's a whole, once, once we lack that understanding, then we start to suffer Mm -hmm. because we're no longer aware of our relationship to the ultimate. Thank you for listening to the Tracking Wisdom Podcast. Join us next time as we continue the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and visit www.eth-studio.com for more information and content.